Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most influential and listened to podcast in auto detailing. Welcome to the community. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. This is Nick. You can find us at the HyperClean Specialist Group on Facebook and hypercleanstore.com for all products. Let's get started today. Took delivery of a 2023 Hummer for a customer. Many of you saw it in the specialist group. Customer found out upon delivery that the car was actually vinyl wrapped and it wasn't actually a painted brown color as uh, had been represented by the dealership. We can get into a lot of things about the dealership and the things they did wrong. But I actually want to go a different direction. It kind of gets old picking on dealerships and saying all the obvious. So let's talk about the 2023 Hummer, what I thought about it. This is about the third or fourth one, I think, that that I've seen in person from 2022 to 2023. And I just wanted to talk about it and kind of give a an evaluation of how I look at cars. So one of the things you notice when you walk up on Hummer is that the proportions kind of seem off to me. And what I mean by that is, if you look at the exterior of those vehicles and you go from the, the back of the crew cab into the bed area, the transition looks kind of funny in person. The vehicle actually looks a little too small from the exterior. I know it's a big vehicle, by the way. I understand that part of it. But the proportions, they put all of this stuff into the front of the both the, the, the double cab. But what they didn't do is proportion the bed of it very well, in my opinion. So it looks kind of funny. The interior, it's a GMC interior. It looks like a parts bin from everything that they build. And that's where I want to have a conversation. So I'm getting more and more questions in the specialist group and personally about how I evaluate cars, what they're actually worth paying and those types of things. Now, in this instance, we're not talking about collector cars. We're talking about a new vehicle. And so as I go through and look at the interior, I think the interior is what's always going to tell you more of a story of the value of a car rather than the exterior. And here's what I mean by that. GMC is asking people to pay six figures for this vehicle. When I get in the vehicle, when I open the door, the door's really light. It's not a heavy duty door. When I look at the interior, this is something happening with a lot of American manufacturers and I get that it's happening with sports SUVs as well, but those are a different clientele than the Hummer. The Hummer is not luxurious when you get inside of it. I like the colors of the interior. I like the two-tone. But the minute you sit in the driver's seat, you go, these are really stiff seats for a luxury branded SUV. And here's one of the things that that I'll say. This is why... Escalade never really got it for me. Uh, and even in their redesign, it kind of got worse. When I get into a Lincoln Navigator, I get into these ultra plush, ultra high-end leather seats. When I get into this Hummer or I get into an Escalade, I get into these really stiff, you know, sort of fake feeling seats almost where you go, this just doesn't feel right. And so that's why those, those, vehicles have never felt luxurious enough for me is it starts in the interior. And then in true Chevy fashion, they got that center console that they've had for, it seems like every vehicle since 1990. Uh, I know that's not exactly true, but 
the same type of flip up center console, the everything feels like a parts bin in this Hummer from vehicles that they've already built. Now, why that doesn't speak to luxury to me is I don't think when you're releasing a product like Hummer, the first thing you should be thinking about is how do I take all of these other seats from things we already have? And I realize it's a business and that's why they do the parts bin type of, of interiors, but GMC is trying to get six figures out of somebody. So I would venture to say that this is the time to get, give more thought to your interior because you're jumping into a class of owner supposedly or what you're trying to do is jump into a class of owner that expects a little bit more. And so when you get inside Hummer, it feels kind of plasticky. It doesn't feel luxurious. And here you are sitting in a hundred thousand dollar vehicle going, doesn't feel like a hundred thousand dollars. You open the door. It's ultra light, almost feels like a Bronco or Wrangler door, honestly, more than it feels like a luxury door. Uh, all the paneling on the door feels more $50,000 esque than it does a hundred thousand dollar esque. And then here's where I get into the evaluation point of view. When you're giving advice to clients like we do, we have hundreds of clients that are in our, our orbit now that ask advice and pay for advice on cars to buy. It's important to understand what those people are looking for. So when I talk to this customer and he goes, you know, I haven't even seen it. I bought it sight unseen. They gave me a call out of the blue. I thought it'd be cool to own. The money is no object to him. If he hates the car, he'll just get rid of it. It'll never be a thought. He'll send it to one of his three or four houses. He's not somebody that cares about that. So when I talked to him, I said, hey, I think you'll kind of like it, but it's not all, it's not very luxurious. You drive cars better than this every day. This is going to be a step down. And for GMC, I think that's a big problem. Long term, I think it's a problem for Hummer. Look, you've seen Hummer come and go two or three times in the history of the brand and I think you're going to probably see this one go away. They may change the platform and, 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 you know, put some, some other type of body on this skateboard electric type of platform. But I look at it and I go, let's have this discussion. This is the same discussion I had with a bunch of people about Bronco is that, you know, when you started to get into fully loaded Broncos, you wanted to own at the height of everything, they were $80,000. Well, Bronco's not an $80,000 experience, and this is nothing against Bronco. I like it well enough. I like it well enough at a starting price of 50 and the highest end package probably going somewhere between sixty-five dollars and $66,000. When you start talking about paying $85,000 for a car, I expect more than ultra plastic feeling doors and uh, a kind of shoddy top system that really I don't think is all that well laid out. Other people may disagree, but I've actually had a bunch of cars with tops on them. I think it's interesting to me how we're watching the American manufacturer try to go into this six-figure car owner and not really changing any of their behaviors. And how do you get into the ultra luxury? Well, if you go back to the 90s, Toyota built Lexus LS400. And why did Lexus take off as a luxury brand? Well, it's simple. If you go back to that car, it was 10 or 15 years ahead of its time in luxury. So when you bought one in the 90s, you go, wow, this is luxury. They went above and beyond. Just from the engine perspective, if you look at those old LS400s, here was the crazy thing. You could put a wine glass on the engine, start it up, and that wine glass wouldn't rattle. 
that was luxury. That was Rolls Royce type luxury back then. And so you look at it and you go, Toyota overbuilt every inch of that original car or, or one of their original luxury cars. And so the reason Lexus took off as a luxury brand or, and is now still seen as a luxury brand is because of what they did from the get-go. So if I'm re-releasing Hummer and I'm putting a $100,000 price tag and more on it, I would think that I'm going to take a little more thought and a little more time and build out a $100,000 car. And unfortunately, GMC didn't do that. Now, you're going to have plenty of these get sold because people want to try them. But here's the interesting part about getting people to try things. That my customer is going to drive this for six months, two months, three months, a year. Is he going to buy a second one? Doubtful. Because he's going to look, he's just going to feel that this car isn't worth it. That's the facts of the case. This is the same guy that buys Ferraris all the time and then complains about getting in and out of them as if he didn't know he was buying an Italian sports car. So if he has gripes about Ferrari, he's definitely going to have gripes about spending $120,000 on this Hummer. It just doesn't feel like it's $100,000. And I'm not really sure where Amer American and other manufacturers are getting the idea that they're going to compete in this six-figure market and just do normal stuff for their brand. It seems like they're in a closed loop behind closed doors where nobody's going, hey, guys, if we're going to jump into this, we got to look at Range Rover and we got to look at BMW X5M and we got to look at these other brands and we got to say, what are they doing that we need to do on that level? Hummer has a bunch of people that it could look at. You could even look at it's Cadillac brand and say the same thing inside the GM family and go, we got to be better than that because we're launching this from scratch. What I think I'm seeing a lot of brands do, and this, this goes for Hummer especially, is they're thinking that the $100,000 experience is because it's electric. And they're going, hey, since we went electric, that's good enough. Well, it's not good enough for rich people. It's not good enough for the people that want to spend this kind of money. Now, you might get a GMC fanboy that'll sit there and tell you, oh, Hummer's great, Hummer's this, Hummer's that. They don't know any better in a lot of cases because they're a brand person, they're not a car person. Hummer, this would be a great car at a starting price of about $65,000 and maybe topping out full package at eighty. But you start adding twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 to that number, this car's nowhere near this vehicle is nowhere near where it needs to be. And this is kind of the fascinating thing to me. So many of you want to get into the advice game, and I, I get it. It's a great additive for your business. But now you, you got to be realistic. You can't be a, a brand loyalist to anything. You have to be very blunt. Look, people can sit here and say, well, you own, own a BMW. I've done nothing but bash what BMW is doing. I think new BMWs are things I would never be in the ownership of. Don't like them. Don't enjoy them. Don't think it's any legacy to the brand. I think it's everything that's wrong with modern car building. Just like I don't think if I buy a GT3 Porsche, I should have $5 stickers all over it. I'm not going to sign off on that. It's not because I hate Porsche, love Porsche. But when you're sticking stickers everywhere, graphics that were put on cars in the 90s, and you're selling your cars for $285,000, it seems out of place. And you got to call those things to the carpet if you're going to really do this on a high level. 
I'm not really sure where Hummer goes from here because they're going to make it a parts bin car. And what a parts bin car means is they're going to gather parts and pieces on the interior from other cars they already build. And I don't think that's a $100,000 experience for GMC at this point. You know, GMC used to build an ultra-luxurious SUV called the Yukon Denali. Yukon Denali and Yukon Denali XL. They were re- way ahead of their time with those luxury SUVs. Here's the craziest part. That, that went away very quickly. Now you look at those SUVs, they're okay. I'm not going to pay the price they're asking. I'd just rather buy a Navigator Black Label or something like that. But this is something that that nobody wants to talk about is when you are jumping into the six-figure car market, as so many of these brands are doing, and you think you're just going to put a whole bunch of junk inside of the interior and exterior, and you're just going to make it good enough, I don't think you're going to get traction that way. And I think they're going to have a lot of delusion because of the pandemic and how crazy cars got. I think these, especially American manufacturers, are going to be behind the eight ball sooner or later where you're going to see a lot of these things cut from the brand. Because when everything normalizes, and it's starting to normalize pretty quickly, they're going to realize that nobody wants these cars at $120,000. That people want them at eighty or sixty-five. dollars Again, I look at Bronco, entry-level Broncos paying any more than thirty-five dollars or $40,000 feels like highway robbery to me. And Bronco is good enough at that price. It's not great at 80. And you can see this even with some of the European brands. You go to the European, uh, you go to a Mercedes as an example and see what they've done with the AMG market. And I can buy a C300 AMG. Well, it's not an AMG. I'm paying all this elevated price. It all kind of looks horrific. And you go, this doesn't feel like a luxury car. Well, it isn't. It's because it's an entry-level Mercedes and that's where it should be. I shouldn't be trying to buy an AMG entry level. I should be buying AMG at the top level of their cars or SUVs. This is the most interesting thing happening. This happens in the M program at BMW as well, where they have X4M and then they have BMW XM440. And it's nothing like an M car. It's it's got small tires and it doesn't have the cool side mirrors and it doesn't have the cool interior and it doesn't have the power and it's all just getting watered down. So if I'm Hummer or I'm building Hummer, the first thought I have to have to make is who are my rivals in this place? Range Rover, uh, Tesla is not even selling for that number. So you're not even rivaling Tesla at that point. You know, you can get a Tesla Model Y or a Tesla Model X for much less than you can get a Hummer at this point. Now, I'm not a big fan of the Tesla interior, but if I can get it for forty dollars or $50,000 less than a Hummer, I'm going to take the Tesla. So here's going to be the interesting conversation. That is, all these American brands go electric. They think electric is the thing that they're doing, and they're misrepresenting the rest of the car like, oh, well, it's no big deal. We went electric. That's why you have to pay more. Well, no, it's easier to build an electric body than anything else because I can take the platform below the car and I can just shove different bodies on the top. So if they have this idea that just going electric is going to add 20, 30, 40, $50,000 to the bottom line of a vehicle on the consumer's viewpoint, 
The consumer is going to get the car and they're going to be disappointed. I already know right now that this specific buyer, my customer, is not going to love this car because he's going to get in and he's going to go, this feels cheap. And it's not cheap from a price tag perspective. And so now you got to start bridging the gap of how do I give advice on a Hummer? I would give an advice just like this. It's a great sixty-five dollars to $75,000 vehicle, max. Well, they want to charge me one twenty-five. dollars Yes, that's my opinion. You're going to be paying a $50,000 premium for a car that's a sixty-five dollars to $70,000 experience. And for people where money's no object and they just want to try it out, no big deal. But there are people that ask me my advice that they're going to want to live with this car for quite some time. No chance in hell I would give them advice to buy it. Again, fun enough to drive. I drove it around, put some miles on it. I enjoy the car. Again, at $65,000, I would enjoy the car. And I would even think about buying one at that price. But I start ticking up to 80, 90, 100, 125, no chance in hell it's that car. Just like Bronco's not an $80,000 car. Many of you would look at Jeep Wrangler and go, they're not $80,000 cars. Well, what's the difference in Bronco? Go sit in both of them. Different laid out interiors, but ultimately the same quality type of interior. Jeep Wrangler is really great at forty-five dollars to $55,000. It's not great at 75 or 80. And so Bronco, to get a, the ones you'd want at 65, 75, $85,000, it just doesn't make any sense. I really am kind of disappointed because I, H1 Hummer is still one of the coolest cars ever built. Okay, car, A vehicle that I would love to own one day. To go to Electric Hummer and see how little thought was put into it, I think is a disappointing thing. Because again, it's taking this nostalgic brand that you had H1, H2 was good enough, still still on that beefy, interesting side of things. Although H2 wasn't that great of a vehicle. It's certainly not great to drive around, but it's cool enough. So I'm not going to get mad. Then they have H3. That's a disappointment. Can't believe it was ever built. And now you reintroduce it as an electric. I'm fine with that. And you put very little thought in it. And I just don't understand that. I just don't understand why you even do it at all if you're going to do it this way. It's a parts bin car where, again, they put two screens on the interior, called it good. And now what they're betting on is if we put technology an electric and these two screens, you guys are going to think it's worth $120,000. Now they've gotten people to bite, but I doubt those people will buy, be buying a second or a third one. And that's how you build a luxury vehicle is that every time a Range Rover comes out, luxury customers want to buy it every time, years and years and years. Hummer, I can't see any of my customers buying a second one. And I think that's a bad sign for the brand. I think that's a bad sign for what they did here. They had every chance to make this the most unbelievable launch in GMC history and get real momentum long-term with an electric vehicle on that level, and they completely botched it. I will not be surprised to see these sell for really drastic price cuts on the open market 
eventually. I think you'll be able to pick these things up for forty and fifty thousand dollars used with very low mileage eventually. Are we there today? No, because the market's still a little elevated. But I think these are going to drop like a rock. Just like I think once Bronco production gets figured out, which is a complete another disaster to talk about, when they start mass producing Bronco, you're going to see that price on the used market fall incredibly far because it's just not that great of an experience. Plain and simple. It's good enough, but good enough when market normalizes is going to get the prices to fall pretty drastically. I just don't see what's going on with these American manufacturers and trying to get into the six-figure market and doing so in such a half-assed way is the biggest head-scratcher when I get inside Hummer this week. I'm like, it doesn't feel luxurious. doesn't feel special. Just because it's electric, look, I've driven enough electric vehicles at this point. Many of you have as well. There's nothing special about that experience anymore. Tesla took the special out of that. Enough people have experienced electric. And now with more and more people experiencing electric at a fast rate, the electric experience is not going to be special. Just like driving an internal combustion engine right now is not a special experience. You have to get into some really special cars to go, wow, this engine's great. That's what's going to happen to electric at a drastic rate. So that was the interesting thing out of Hummer. I don't really want to get into the dealer side of things. They completely lied to a customer. We've all been there before it, you know, I'll, maybe I'll share that in another episode, but honestly, the most interesting part to me was another six figure car being built that has no business being six figures. That's absolutely not a six figure experience. And now all of a sudden you're going to have all these six figure cars and what happens to values as more and more come out. I think they're just going to drop like a rock. I just think they're going to drop price-wise like a rock. I mean, again, maybe they try to keep the new car price elevated, but the used car market on these will eventually just be half the price. It'll be like what happens to McLaren under normal circumstances. You pay $250, and within a week, it's worth $120. Just what I feel is going to happen. I guess time will tell. I want to finish today's episode with a topic that a lot of people ask me about. And it's probably the number one question I've been getting asked here recently, which is how do I price something? How do I price my detailing service? How do I price this? How do I price this service? How do I get my start? The number one way to run your business, and there's not a, there's not a close second, this is the only way to run your business, is to know your numbers better than anybody else. So... When you run a business, your personal expenses and, and what it takes to run your personal life financially become intertwined with what it takes to run your business. So I'm going to give you an easy way to look at this. If I run a business and I'm just getting my start and I have $2,500 in personal bills every month and it costs me $1,000 to run my business, that means I have $3,500 in cost just to break even on my life. That's how you start making your prices. Continuing to ask somebody, how should I price this? How should I price this? I want everybody to think about it logically. Somebody in Los Angeles, somebody in Las Vegas, somebody in Tulsa, somebody in Columbus, Ohio, somebody in, in Georgia, somebody in Florida, somebody in New York, those markets are all different. And they're all different amongst your state. 
Las Vegas, Nevada is different than Reno, Nevada. Los Angeles is different than San Diego. San Diego is different than Sacramento. So nobody can give you a blueprint. And if anybody does, you should run as fast away from them as you can to say, this is how you should price something. Because what about the guy that's got a $3,500 overhead compared to the guy that's got a $35,000 overhead? Do you think the pricing is the same? No chance in hell. And it shouldn't be. It's different expectations. It's different experience levels. It's different experiences for the customer. So where you start with your pricing is understanding your total cost to run your business and life, and then start to build out your packages and pricing. If I have $5,000 a month to run my business and run my personal life, I can break down, I got 25 working days in the month that I have to make $5,000 to break even. Well, breaking even in business is not good. So how am I going to make $7,500 a month in revenue? I got 25 days to do that. Here's what I need to make every day. Here's the packages I want to sell most. And now I can start to reverse engineer what I should actually be pushing into the market. But when you ask somebody like me, I got 20 some years experience at this. I got 12 years in Rolodex in my business with customers. I got multiple services we can provide because of my experience that as a beginner may not be able to do and probably isn't able to do because they're just getting a start. The number one reason business fail in all of America is money problems. So you have to start with what does it cost me to break even? And you got to be absolutely dialed in to what that number is. Because once I get my break even number, then I got to get my, okay, how do I make money number? If I got 25 days and my overhead is 25,000 a month, then I know my cost to run my business is $1,000 a day to open up my doors. So now I got to figure out how am I going to make $2,000, $3,000, $4,000, $5,000, $10,000 a day. And I reverse engineer from there. What are the services I'm going to provide? How many cars do I need to run through my business? How many of these services do I need to sell? What are the two or three main packages I'm going to sell? But continuing to ask people how to get your start, that's where you get your start. What does it cost you to run your business? And when you're running a business, unfortunately, what comes into this is what your personal costs are. And so that's why you'll see guys like Mark Cuban tell people, don't get in credit card debt. Keep your personal expenses as low as you can for as long as you can. He's not doing that so you suffer. He's doing that so you have a chance to build your business with the greatest amount of chance for success because he knows the statistics that most people fail because A, they don't know their numbers and what it costs to run their business and life, and B, they let their personal life expenses get out of control. They have zero chance of making it in business or at least a very small chance of making it in business. So when we talk about setting pricing, and people continue to ask, I'm flattered that you think I can set pricing for everybody, but the truth is I can't. The facts are, I have no idea what it costs you to run your business. 
I have no idea what it costs you to run your personal life. But you should know. Down to the penny, you should know what it costs you to run your life and your business. Because if you don't know that, like the back of your hand, you don't know what packages to sell. You don't know what prices to set. You don't know anything. This is where we get into a problem in this industry is everybody is looking for a blueprint. That's the blueprint that I just gave you is that you have to do your numbers. If it costs me a thousand dollars to run my personal life and my business, man, I can get really aggressive on pricing, still make a profit and build my business much quicker than a guy that has 10,000 in overhead starting out. Just the facts of the case. And my sales and marketing tactics are going to be much different based on those types of things. All of you are capable of sitting down, going through your bank statements, going through your credit card statements and saying, hey, this is what it costs me to run my business. If you don't do it, you're going to fail. None of us, myself included, Love sitting down and going over expenses and figuring out numbers. It's not what I enjoy in business. But once a month, I get with my accountant and I am on top of my numbers every day. What does it cost? What are we doing? What does our future look like? Are we saving for this project? Are we doing for that? Same thing goes on at HyperClean, guys. We're saving money for projects. We're saving money for, for manufacturing equipment. We're, we're, we're buying raw materials. We're buying bottles. We're buying labels. We're paying for internet marketing. All of these are a cost. And they're at great expense to our business. So if we don't know them, if we don't understand them, we can't develop a plan to price things and what profit looks like and what we're going to do with that profit. This is the most amazing thing to me is, yeah, it's boring. But you should be able to sit down at any moment and have somebody ask you a question of, why are you selling that service so much? You better be able to tell me how long it takes to do the service. This is what I make on the service. This is my cost of the service. This is my profit on the service. If you can't do those things sitting here today, sit down over the weekend and do them. Because that's how you come to your pricing. Your pricing is going to look drastically different than mine at VR. And your pricing is probably going to look drastically different than the guy down the street. The fact that so many people's pricing looks identical tells me most of them are not giving thought to their business. You see a lot of this in the tent and the film business. Oh, front end costs this in our city. How's that possible? This guy's in a bigger shop than you. He's got more overhead. He's putting more volume through. How are you priced the same as him? Doing less work. Doesn't make any sense. You have to know your numbers. You have to wake up every day and know exactly what it takes for you to turn the lights on in your house, turn the lights on in your business, and what that effect's going to have on what you sell. I can't give better advice than that, honestly. You have to take charge of your numbers so then you can build your packages. We can give you a range of a wash, decon, and one-year coating. $199 to $799 is what we're being told from some of our installers. 
It's a big range. You're just going to pick one out of the thin air? That doesn't make any sense. Because the guy charging $7.99 probably lives in a really expensive city, is doing business with really expensive cars, and that may not be where you're at. Start by knowing your numbers and then reverse engineer what you need to sell every day and build your packages around that. And always remember this. If all you're doing is breaking even for a long period of time, sooner or later that comes to an end and you're not in business anymore. So you have to think about not only what is my break-even point, but what is my profit point? And how much profit do I need to make a month to build my business up and hire people and fire people and buy equipment and, and all that kind of stuff? Buy a new van or truck, buy a shop space, buy a bigger shop space. I appreciate the question, but I mean this when I say it. Nobody can give you your pricing because nobody knows your expenses. Nobody knows what it costs to run your personal life, which is also a reality when you're a business owner, is that the profit in your business is going to be cut as a check in salary or distributions to you, the owner, to then go pay your personal bills. All of that goes into it. All of that is a thought process. So I hope this helps some of you today, and we'll talk to you next week.